Ladies and gentlemen, up until now you've seen the creature perform the simple mechanics of motor activity, but for what you are about to see next, we must enter quietly into the realm of genius. Ladies and gentlemen, mesdames et messieurs, Damen und Herren, from what was once an inarticulate mass of lifeless tissues, may I now present a cultured, sophisticated man about town. Hit it! The, the, the Sketchomatic Show. Ladies and germs, welcome to the very first official episode one of the Sketchomatic Show. Sketchomatic. So happy to have you here. I appreciate your company and your business right here with me, Sketchomatic. Sketchy, sketchy. Okay, in the trailer, I was able to punctuate a few little questions and topics that people had that wanted me to get to and discuss. And I really didn't, wasn't able to get completely into it. I just wanted to kind of give you a brief preview of what was to come. And so now we're here. And I would be remiss if I didn't answer uh, at least one of these questions with a nice deep dive on the origins of Sketchomatic and how I came to be. It asked, how did you get your current job and some of your favorite experiences? Well, the way I got my job, my current job at iHeartMedia, producing in commercial production, I also produce for Big Boy, Big Boy's Neighborhood on Real 92.3, and how that came to be was because of my uh, valued friendship I have with Big Boy. If I didn't know him, I wouldn't be working there. I can guarantee you that. If I didn't know him at all, I probably wouldn't be working in radio. Now, I don't want to get too deep into my relationship with Big because, well, I'm hoping to get him on the show and he's agreed to do the show, but I want to work my way up to that show in particular. And that's very exciting news. It's so important to me. And I was lucky to see him the other day. Actually, I went up to the station and uh, because, you know, I work from home from beautiful Burbank, California which I also call Blur Blank. And I live very close to the radio station, a walking distance, in fact, and that is by design. So I walked over to the station and we went to go record a jingle, right, for a commercial that Big Boy wrote. And I told him about the podcast. He said, are you doing interviews? And I, I said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get some guests on the show. I don't have any. I just did the trailer. And he gave me a look as if inviting me to invite him onto the show, which I promptly did. But I also, you know, said a disclaimer saying I didn't want to bother him with it, even though I know I have a very close relationship with him. And and it's for many, many years since I was 12 years old. I'm 44 years of age now. So however many years you guys do the math. But yeah, I didn't want to bother him with, you know, oh, it's big. Do my podcast. You know, I just started, you know, since I work for you, do my podcast. I just wanted to let it happen organically, which it did. And I'm so excited about that upcoming episode, which I'm not sure which episode it's going to be. I'm perhaps maybe episode 10. That's not a guarantee or any promises. I just feel like 10 is a nice round number, but we'll see. TBD. All right. We'll find that out soon. 
going back to if if I didn't have him in my life, if I didn't know who he was, and he didn't know who if he didn't know who I was, and he didn't bring me under his wing, I wouldn't have this job. He was such a big motivator to me and a big inspiration, a big brother type, you know, and I was just getting into DJing and it was because of him seeing him at the teen center where in Culver City, where I went to school at the time, I went to Culver Middle School and uh, then I went to Culver High after. Shout out to Culver City High. Centaurs, whose house? Whose house? Whose house? So after I would, I would go to this place called the teen center, which was like a boys and girls club. And uh, it was because of my friend Darrell, who was a, a classmate of mine, and he invited me to go there one day. You know, they had video games, they had like, you know, ping pong tables and stuff. You know, this is like early 90s. So the back to school dance arrives. Yeah! And I get to go. Ask mom. She says, yeah, she, you know, she drives me. Woo! All excited. Yeah. I get there early enough to see Big walk in. Now, mind you, he's, wa- he's walking in with the DJ equipment because he's DJing. And I saw all the DJ equipment. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. He hadn't even set up yet. He hadn't even pushed play or plugged it in yet. They were just walking by me. But at the time, seeing someone DJ live was magical to me. It was literally like traveling to another dimension, seeing those records on the turntable and the needle. And and especially at night when you see the little lights coming from the equipment. It It was like just so hypnotic. And I knew... That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into that, at least. You know, because before that, I'm, mind you, I was into also into magic, close-up magic. You know, I wanted to be a magician. I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to be a firefighter. But uh, there was another DJ prior to that, DJ Ralph, uh, a family, close family friend who I saw DJing growing up as well. But I wasn't old enough to really appreciate it. You know, I just knew that I like pushing buttons and, and making sounds and getting on the mic and all that stuff. You know, but I didn't know really what it was about until I met Big. And then when I saw how he took it very seriously, he didn't he didn't mess around. He didn't fuck around with letting people touch the DJ equipment, letting people touch the records. Because mind you, we had real records back then, you kids now with your streaming and all this. It's fine. I'm not complaining. I'm old, but I'm not that old. I'm just saying we came from the vinyl days where you actually had to carry heavy crates of records. Not just one, but like, 10 of them, because if you really wanted to have every single song on deck, you had to come prepared. And those things weighed a lot. So, got into it there. That's why I knew that night, I'm going to do, and of course, he puts on spectacular performance. Before he even got on the radio, he was singing songs. He was DJing and singing, like, The Farmer in the Dell. He'd play that, and then he'd get on the mic and he'd go, all right, everybody, you just dance your way out the door. The party's over. It was fantastic. I mean, he was hilarious from day one and also very disciplined as well. It's like this perfect yin and yang balance of funny, mischievous, and also very serious and disciplined at the same time and and very consistent in that mentality. Since I met him, he's never changed. He just got older and lost a good amount of weight. However, the mindset never changed. It just evolved. I wasn't old enough or even aware enough to, to really appreciate all of that until I'm talking to you about it now. Hearing myself say it out loud in a way is reminding me of all these memories I have of meeting him and then almost like immediately taking off on a rocket ship. 
Ignition sequence because start. I took so much, so much of an interest in the craft of DJing, and I wanted to carry his records. I wanted to go to the Mighty Mart around the corner to go get him and DJ Ray some snacks while they were DJing. You know, I wanted to be a part, almost like an intern. And before I even knew what an intern was, I was already interning. And, you know, I guess it, it paid off because I didn't have that agenda and he didn't have that agenda. You know, we didn't we didn't uh, we didn't know what was going to happen in the future. Fast forward to now, um, many, many, many years later, here here I am working for iHeartMedia because of one man, because of Big Boy. And for that, I'm eternally grateful, forever indebted to him because, you know, he's he's looked out for me for so long from our days at Power 106 here in Los Angeles to answer the part of the experiences question. Some of my best experiences at Power were meeting uh, so many, obviously, artists in the music industry. One in particular memory that stands out above all else was when I was 19 years old. I remember vividly, like it was yesterday, really like it was today, that Busta Rhymes was in the station. This is Bus Rhymes. And I remember it was summertime and Black Eyed Peas were just starting and, or, you know, just gaining momentum and, and joints and jams had just come out. Saying, that's the joint, that's the jam. Turn it up. All of these artists were all in the hallways. And right before they got there, maybe the, the day before, Fuzzy, who used to work with us back in the day at Power and at iHeartMedia, who now hosts his own show with Quincy, FAQ Podcast. But yeah, so Fuzzy tells us a story that he was at the Smoke and Grooves concert, I think it was, at the time, and at the Gibson Amphitheater, which was, I think, is now the Universal Amphitheater, if I'm not mistaken. But anyways, he's at the Smoke and Grooves tour. Busta Rhymes performs. Fuzzy tells us that Busta says to him that he was driving in from Vegas in his limo, right? Or rolling in from Vegas in the back of his limo, listening to the radio station, listening to Big Boy. And he heard some of our bits, right? Like bits in the morning. We play like these comedy, little comedy bits. And we play like Lifestyles of the Rich and Racist with Robin Biatch and uh, instead of Robin Leach. A lot of you youngsters don't know these titles, so you're just going to have to Google them. Sorry, I'm not going to be able to break everything down, but trust me, just Google it. You'll get a better idea. Good evening and welcome to Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Moving forward. I remember, so we did all these comedy bits in the morning, and uh, I produced all these bits, and I added all these sound effects, just like how in the trailer you heard all the sound effects and all those, you know, the glass breaking and the crowd going, (gasps) That is what's known as imaging, production, morning show production, comedy bit production, whatever you want to call it, it's production. And I did that early on. And Buzz is talking to Fuzzy and he's saying when he was rolling in from Vegas and he's explaining to Fuzz that I'm going to do my my best Buster Rhymes impression. He's like, yo, Fuzz, I could like see it. With all the sound effects, I could like see it. This is Bus Rhymes. <laughs> it was like a movie, <laughs> right? This is Bus Rhymes. But yeah, so he's he's telling Fuzz that he's he was really excited about it, he, and to hear that coming from Fuzz, from, coming from Busta, that he was so excited about these these bits produced that I made. I mean, I was elated from it. You know, I was practically smitten to pieces that one of the 
all-time greatest rappers in hip-hop was showing me love. Or, but he didn't know who I was. Obviously, at the time, he didn't know. That's where it takes us to him being at the station, right? On that Friday, I'll never forget, I that week, whatever day it was that Fuzzy explained that story, saying how excited Busta Rhymes was about the bits I produced. I didn't write them. That was Jeff Schimmel. But I produced them. So that gave me so much confidence to walk up to him when he was there. I'm a kid. I'm 19. I see him in the hallway with his, you know, his uh, entourage. Everybody's in the hallway. Black Eyed Peas are in the hallway. Busta's in the hallway. It was just various other up-and-coming artists that were there. They were doing a summer concert. They were doing some sort of promotion, and everybody was promoting their album. This is some of the best times in radio. It's just not the same anymore to me. I'm not complaining. It's just the vibe was completely different in those days. It was really, really fun and exciting and almost mysterious. And the frequency of the people's energy was just off the charts. I mean, to me, maybe it's just because I was a kid. I don't know. It just seemed like people were much happier and outgoing in in that particular era of radio that I experienced. And it being my first major market radio gig with Big Boy working at Power. Okay. So Bust is there. I walk up to him and I say, Hello, Mr. Rhymes. Uh, my name's Sketch. <laughs> he kind of just looked at me and he's like, yeah, yeah, what's up? Right. He, you know, he kind of gave me the, the, yeah, yeah, don't bother me kind of uh, response. But that was okay because I wasn't expecting anything more because he doesn't know who I am. I'm up, some kid walking up to him, calling him Mr. Rhymes. I was, I must've been out of my mind, but I was so confident the second I said, Fuzzy explained that you really enjoyed the bits that you heard on Big Boy Show driving in from Vegas. I'm the guy who produces them. Instantly, his whole dynamic shifted to, we got to talk. I was beside myself with excitement. I walked him to the morning show office and introduced him to the head writer, Jeff Schimmel. We're sitting in the morning show office. We're sharing ideas. Bust is excited about it. He said he's going to talk to the label. He's going to see if we can bring us on to the project for this new album, Extinction Level event that's coming out. He has all these crazy ideas, and he wants to implement an intro and a and some interludes, but in a very specific way in his mind. But he he didn't know what it was. He just knew that he wanted something that involved what me and Jeff were doing. Okay, so fast forward a couple of weeks. Now we're in a morning show meeting, right? It's all of us in the morning show at the time. And the phone rings in the morning show conference uh, meeting. The receptionist says, um, I have Busta on line one for sketch. And I remember Big looked up at me, surprised. I was literally as surprised as he was. I pick up the phone. He's like, sketch. Bust rhymes. We got to get these bits. I got to get these bits as soon as possible. And I tell him, well, Schimmel is the, the guy who writes them. Let me put you on the phone with him, and then you can work it out with him, and I'll do whatever you know you guys want me to. And he's like, okay. So I put him on hold really quick, and I told Big hey, he, he should talk to Schimmel so we could work this out. And I remember, I vividly remember Schimmel saying, like, who is this guy? <laughs> this is Bust Rhymes. And then I remember Big saying, Jeff, Busta Rhymes is a multi-platinum selling artist. 
you're going to want to take this call. Jeff was like, okay. <laughs> like, cause he was very, dry, very dry, brilliant comedy writer, very dry personality. And I think that's what made him even funnier. Cause he just, he was unimpressed. Okay. You know? Okay. So he takes the call. Hey, Busta. <laughs> Bust mom's right. And he's listening to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I'd have no idea what Busta said, but Schimmel's reaction, unenthused, but intrigued and interested. So he says, okay, well, I'll follow up with you in a bit and I'll talk to Sketch and we'll get something together for you. Something to that effect. Those weren't the exact words. I'm just paraphrasing the moment. And then he hung up. It was a quick conversation. And that was that. And then we put together that dat for Buster Rhymes. For those of you who don't know what dat is, it's like those little tiny digital tapes. They're like little tiny digital cassette tapes. They almost look like little video tapes that you put in a camcorder, but they're just for audio. It's called dat, D-A-T. I don't even know if they're around anymore. However, we put a bunch of these bits onto a dat, and I remember I had a meeting. Get this. I had a meeting with Buster Rhymes at night at his studio, Larrabee Sound Studios. It was off Santa Monica Boulevard. I think they're still around. And I went to go meet up with Busta probably like around, I don't know, it might have been 9 or 10 o'clock at night, right? And it was just me. I went there by myself. I drove over there. I check in, you know, with the front, with the front. And I'm like, hey, I'm Sketch. I'm here to uh, meet with Busta Rhymes. <laughs> Couldn't even believe it. And they walked me into the studio. And I walk in, and there is, I kid you not, there is a mound of buds, of weed, just piled on the table. And I'm a kid, I I literally jumped out of my socks, I was so excited, but then I remembered, you can't smoke while in this meeting. Even if he offers you, don't take it, because this is serious, and you gotta show him you're serious. Even though you're hanging out with Buster Rhymes, I wish Instagram was around back then. I mean, God, I could have just really eat your heart out, you know, but I guess that's why the podcast is here and I'm I'm reliving this experience with you. However, so I'm in the studio. There's the mountain of herb. Busta's rolling up a beautifully precision style blunt. I mean, it was just it looked like it was being rolled in a factory, but it was in between his index finger and thumb. I mean, it was just it was brilliant. I wanted to smoke with him so bad. And he offered. I didn't take it. I pop in the dat. I push play. We listen to the bit. We listen to another bit. Maybe, I think I played two and a half bits for him. He heard one bit all the way through. I played him another because it was, we had various bits. There was, two diff- there was different characters we did on the show. And I wanted to show him the range of variety that we can offer in, in styles of producing. We get to the the third bit, and I believe it was the Lifestyles of the Rich and Racist one, which is the one he said he heard while driving in. That's when he was like, it was like a movie. Bus rhymes. So he hears that bit, and he says, all right, that's cool, okay. And he kind of just waves me to, to hit stop. And he, there's like a beat of silence, and he looks at me, and he's like, Sketch, you're hired. And I... Whew, Even now when I say it, I get chills. It was astonishing. It was fantastic. It was it was like William Shatner going to space. It was like that. Uh, Roger that. In my head, in my mind, in my heart, every molecule of my body 
was jumping for joy. I, I, I wish, I seriously wish social media was around back then so I could just, I would have boasted the fuck out of that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I would, I would have had to. It's just not even this skinny kid from Culver City works with big boys neighborhood and now is going to be producing for Busta Rhymes. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. But it was happening. It happened. I lived it. And that is probably by far one of, if not the greatest experience I had while working early on at Power. Shortly thereafter, Busta Rhymes' album, Extinction Level Event, dropped on December 15th, 1998. I'll never forget it. It was a Tuesday. Back then, new music came out on Tuesdays, not like nowadays where it's like a new album's coming out almost at least every other day somewhere. Here is the Extinction Level Event sketchomatic montage of my past work. Enjoy. This is Extinction Level Event, the final world front, and there is only one year left. Wow, that's cool. I thought I told you a thousand times, stop listening to that shit. Come on, Mom, that's Busta Rhymes. Don't talk back to your mother. Gang members are the only ones that listen to that crap. Just, Just listen to one of Busta Rhymes' songs. Trust me, you'll like it. Just listen. Okay, but this better be good, god damn it. Listen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Donald Trump delivers my newspapers in the morning, and I don't even tip him. Listen, motherfucker, if you want some of this, you're gonna have to give me some more. Goddamn, there ain't no more. Yeah, as a shorty playing in the front yard of the crib, fell down and I bumped my head. Oh, oh my God! Ah! you catch young Sketchomatic in there on the second bit arguing with his parents? Come on, Mom, that's Busta Rhymes. Don't talk back. That was me. Obviously, I had to edit down the intro and the bits just to present it in a nice, succinct package for you. If you want to hear the intro and the bits in their entirety, just check out Busta Rhymes' Extinction Level event on YouTube. I don't want to keep rambling on and on too long. I know that your time is valuable. And I do appreciate you spending it here with me for this short amount of time we have together in this episode. As the Sketchomatic show evolves, so will the total running time of each show as hopefully as more guests get booked on the show and I'm able to get in the studio with them, get an interview in the can with them, and then present it to you, the shows will at least reach about an hour. Oh, good for you! Shut the fuck up! I'm a, I'm a big boy fan first, because that's home plate. That's family. That's my big brother. But also because of big, I became, I expanded my uh, appreciation for other broadcasters. And Howard Stern is one of those broadcasters that I greatly admire. He's such a unique and talented individual that I feel truly lucky to be able to live in the same era, same timeline as Big, as Stern, as Joe Rogan, and Fred Rogan, as Bill Maher. I didn't listen to Stern back in the early days when he was on terrestrial radio. I 
wasn't really into him at that time. I mean, I had seen private parts, you know, when it came out, I think it was 97. I just remember back then I just was kind of intimidated by him. I just, cause I just felt like I didn't really understand and I wasn't an adult. I just didn't, I couldn't appreciate it. But then when he went to Sirius, I really got into him probably around 2016, 2017. I really got into Howard Stern and I've been listening to him ever since. And he's been another uh, motivation to me, him and Fred Norris, who I also greatly admire Fred Norris from Stern Show, who does all the sound effects, all the voices, all the drops, the one man band who I can relate to him because of what he does for a living. It's, it's hard to explain my kind of work to people. Radio imaging. What's that? You work in a medical office or something? It kind of sounds like that. But radio imaging, commercial production, voiceover. It's kind of not the easiest thing to relay to somebody, to a layman who isn't in the industry. But hey, I enjoy explaining it to you who may not know what it is to work in the radio realm. I mean, there's just so many experiences to share. I hope to bring more of them as more episodes roll out. And I'll also be showcasing some of my radio production, some stuff that maybe hasn't made it on the air, never made it on the air. And I'd like to present that to you. And actually, speaking of uh, production and imaging, I also am known for producing tributes. I recently, just this week, was honored to produce a tribute for the late, legendary, dear to Los Angeles natives, and to all of baseball, I believe, no matter what city you're in, you had respect for this man, for this broadcaster, who was an absolute icon. And that broadcaster's name was Vin Scully. And I made this tribute for him with all the love in my heart to honor him and his memory. And I had to make a lot of different versions of this, some short, some long, some medium, because it went out on a, a bunch of different stations at iHeartMedia. Only a few stations played it. And big shout out to Booker and Stryker on Alt 98.7 for playing it uh, on air during their show more than once and giving me a lot of love and support about it on air, too. I really appreciate that, guys. So I just wanted to say thank you. And hopefully I can get one of you on my show. Shh. So with that, let me present to you the Vin Scully tribute. It's time for Dodger Baseball. Now we just got some rattling news here. The Dodgers have issued a release. The great Vin Scully Vin has Scully. passed away. He passed away at the age of 94. Legendary voice of the Dodgers. His career 67 years ago. A huge loss for Los Angeles. It is um, with a heavy heart yeah. because he was my role model. It's just sad. Nobody is going to take his place. Nobody. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. When he announced Fernando Valenzuela's no-hitter, when you let you have your sombrero throw it in the air. Fernando Valenzuela has pitched a no-hitter. If you have a sombrero, throw it to the sky. His voice reverberated across Los Angeles. L.A. loves Ben. The sound of summer. Dodge the blue, baby. Hey, yo, I pop bubbly with Vin Scully. It's so lovely to win. win. He also did football for CBS, and he was great at that because he was great at everything. Montana, looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. 
I like to be remembered as a good, honest man, a good husband, a good father, a good grandfather. Oftentimes, we don't appreciate people until they're gone. In this situation, Ben felt the appreciation while he was alive. We will miss you, my friend. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. Talk about your family, your grandchildren, and what they mean to you. Well, they mean everything to me. Five children, 16 grandchildren, and three great-grandchildren. So what I'm trying to do with the trophies is get the money that I can get, give some to charity, and then give it to the children. You leave us in the game, Mr. Scully, but not without leaving a lasting impression and not without taking a piece of our broken baseball heart. The soundtrack for so many, for so many years. We may not see him any longer, but he'll always be with us. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon, wherever you may be. Ellie loves Vin. Rest in peace, Vin Scully. Appreciate everything you did for Los Angeles, for Dodgers baseball, and all of baseball and broadcasting. I'm Sketchomatic. Sketchy, sketchy. For the Sketchomatic show, episode one. Sketchomatic. Thank you so much for joining me here today. May the rest of your weekend slash week be productive and prosperous. Be well. Oh, good for you. And how was it? The Sketchomatic show. Sketchy. Ooh, too much information and shit, man. Shut your mouth, essay. Okay, bye. What?